It's a, a Sunday evening in church. Uh, the music is pumping. Uh, there's a good vibe. There's a good energy. And then one guy stands up and he says these words. Thus says the Lord. And he gives a prophecy. And, and then someone stands up and they speak in tongues. And another person stands up and they speak in tongues. And soon the whole building is filled with people. And there's a noise and there's an energy and there's a vibe. And everyone's speaking in tongues. And you're standing there. And you're watching. And you're thinking, well, why don't I do that? Why haven't I got that gift? And week after week after week, you, you go and you wait and you long and you're thinking, I don't belong here. I feel inferior. If I was really spiritual, then surely God would give me this gift. It's not just a tongue speaker, it's not just a prophecy, it's people who stand up the front and they preach and they teach, or, or the people who lead the music, or the people who pray, or the people who, who read, the upfront people, the, the stage and microphone people. They're the super spiritual, aren't they? And you sit there and you go, I've got nothing to offer to this church. I'm not really part of this church. Let's don't misunderstand me, I'm not sending up any one church. What I'm trying to do is paint a picture of, of first century Corinth, because that was going on. That was going on in first century Corinth, that, that there were these people who, who thought they were really spiritual, who thought they were really blessed by God because they had one particular gift. And other people thought, I'm a nobody, I'm not worthy because I haven't got these so-called super spiritual gifts. If you've been with us, you won't be surprised to hear that they've messed up spiritual gifts. It had caused division and disunity and factions and, and fighting and ungodliness. And people were claiming, you know, that you, you only spoke in tongues if you'd been baptised with the Spirit. Or, or the really superior Christians were the ones who had the teaching gifts or the, prof, or the prophetic gifts. And rather than building up the church, these spiritual gifts were tearing it down. And rather than promoting the gospel, these spiritual gifts were making it really, really ugly to go to that church. And I want to say, my friends, that I reckon we've got the same problem in Sydney and the same problem throughout the world, that spiritual gifts have been the source of so much fighting and factions and division in church. It's ironic, isn't it? Uh, they're supposed to unite us, but they tear us apart. It's actually scandalous. The things that are supposed to build us up, tear us down. And in the next few weeks, we'll look at these chapters, 12 to 14, and I want to put my uh, cards on the table right up front and say this, that I do believe in spiritual gifts today. I do believe that spiritual gifts exist today. I'm not a, a cessationist. It's a big word, cessationist. Those are people like Luther who, who said, you know, that these gifts were only for the early church, but once God has established his church, uh, then we've got the word of God, we don't need the gifts anymore. I see nothing in the Bible to support that. I'm not a cessationist. I'm not a Pentecostal. Uh, those are the people who, this is a simplistic view, but they're the people who, who read the book of Acts, and they read about things like miracles and healings and prophecies and driving out demons. And they say all those things must happen today. 
and they get really excited about the gifts and, and tongues is a sign that you really are baptised in the Spirit. You should, you should expect the miraculous. You must have the miraculous. I read the book of Acts and I see in the book of Acts a God working it at that time, in that point of history, it describes what happens, not prescribing what must happen. I'm not a Pentecostal, I'm not a cessationist, I'm not what I call a, a pseudo-cessationist. And I reckon most of Sydney Anchors are this. You know, these gifts are odd, and we've seen them abused so many times, and so we kind of keep them at a distance. We keep them at a distance. Secretly, we hope that they did, they did finish in the first century. And secretly, we say, it can happen at other churches, but, but please, Lord, not here. When I read my Bible, I see what is called the word charismatic. I want to reclaim the word charismatic today. Charismatic just means grace gift. Grace gift. All I'm saying is that I'm not saying that all the gifts have ceased. I'm not saying that all the gifts are essential. But I am saying there's potential. There's potential for all these gifts today. God doesn't promise them, but God could give them. There's nothing to suggest that every church in every generation in every city will receive or will need these gifts. But God knows what we need and God gives them. Some gifts are supernatural, some are just natural. So that's my position. I'm a charismatic. The gifts exist today. They should be used in an orderly way, an intelligible way, but they are great gifts from God to build up his church. And that's what we're looking at over the next three weeks. And our big question tonight is this. What does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to be spiritual? How, how do you spot the person with spiritual gifts? What makes a spiritual church? Please think about that question as we listen to our reading. Chapter 12, verses 1 to 31. And I'll invite James and Tash to read. So page uh, 813, 1 Corinthians 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different, different types of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, 
slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having the gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongue? Do all interpret? but eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's our question. Uh, what are the signs of a spiritual person? Number one, uh, the spiritual person acknowledges that Jesus is Lord. The spiritual person acknowledges Jesus Christ is Lord. Look at verse one. About spiritual gifts, or literally spiritual things, it's not the word charismatic, it's the word pneumata. About spiritual matters, about spiritual things, brothers, don't be ignorant. What's the ultimate proof that someone is spiritual? Verse 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's the spiritual person. They say Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not just saying it. It's easy words to say Jesus is Lord. Anyone can say it. To say Jesus is Lord means that you live with him as Lord, that you love him as your Lord, that you honour him as your Lord, that your whole life seeks to bring worship and glory to him as your Lord. That's the sign that, that someone has the Spirit. They may not speak in tongues. They may not prophesy. Despite what some churches, churches teach, that's not the sign that you're spiritual. According to verse 2, even the pagans do that. It's possible to have this incredible ecstatic experience and have no relationship with Jesus. The sign that you are filled with the Spirit is that you say Jesus Christ is Lord. Because I know lots of people in many churches who claim to have great experiences and inspired utterances and all glory to God if that is true 
but scratch beneath the surface. And I want to see evidence that their lives are being lived with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Not about self, not about success, not about status, not about their glory, but Jesus Christ and his glory. And equally, I meet people who are longing for some spiritual gift or desiring some spiritual experience, but what about the desire for godliness? They pray, give me this gift, but do they pray, uh, Lord, make me more like Jesus? And the sign of the spiritual person is, is not always a spectacular. It's not always how impressive your gift is. It's the humble, quiet, deliberate desire to know Jesus better, to give honour to him. I know that's not as exciting as speaking in tongues or prophesying or healings or miracles, but God isn't just impressed with noise and enthusiasm. What impresses God is people proclaiming Jesus as Lord, seeking to live with him as Lord, yearning for Jesus to be their their boss. Uh, Isn't that the most amazing gift that we've got? Uh, The gift of eternal life in Christ, the gift of forgiveness in Christ, the gift of adoption in Christ, the gift of calling God our Father in Christ, and that only comes through the Holy Spirit. That's what verse 13 says. Uh, we were all baptised by one Spirit into one body. It's not talking about, about water baptism. It's not talking about a second baptism of the Spirit. It's saying, when you said Jesus Lord, you were baptised with the Spirit. You did receive the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit indwells you. He opened your eyes and he enables you to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. Uh, that happened to me when I was 20. Uh, for two years I'd read the Bible and I'd understood the cross. Uh, but then one day, you know, the lights went on. And suddenly the Bible was not just words, but it was words of truth and words of life. And the word forgiveness wasn't just a word, it was a reality for me. And, and God wasn't just God, but I could call God my Father. Why? Because God had entered me by his Spirit. I was born again by his Spirit. Now how dare anyone tell me I didn't have the Spirit? How how dare anyone tell me I needed to speak in tongues to have the Spirit? Uh, The sign of the spiritual person is they have the Spirit because they're saying Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Saviour. And I'm aware there may be people here tonight who, who can't do that. And maybe you're seeking, you're searching, you want some great experience of God. The greatest experience is to get on your knees and say, Jesus Christ, you're my Lord, you're my Saviour. And if you can do that, that's because the Spirit is working in you. Number two, uh, the spiritual person recognises that all gifts are God's grace. The spiritual person recognises that all gifts are God's grace. Look at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts. That word gifts is the word charismata, charismatic. The root is charis, which means grace. There are different types of grace gifts, undeserved gifts, gifts given by God freely and generously. Uh, Just the word itself, grace gift, means that uh, it's not earned, it's not a sign of worthiness, they're just freely given by God. And you notice how every believer has them in verse 7? So to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one. It's not like the fruit of the Spirit where every believer should be desiring all the fruit. When it comes to gifts, no one person has every gift, but every person has one gift, some gifts. To each one. If you've got the Spirit, you'll have some gift. 
It may be supernatural. You know, the prophecy, the knowledge, the healing of the tongues of verse 8. Or it might be natural. Look at verse 28. The gift of help and the gift of administration. The point is, many gifts, but rather than agonising over what gifts you've got, the point is this. You're supposed to say it's a gift from God. It's a grace gift. So verse 6. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Or, or verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And I just thought how it's God's sovereignty that determines who has which gift. It's God's grace that determines who has which gift. And that's the mark of the truly spiritual person. They recognise it's not about them, it's about God's grace. See, our tendency is, I think, to, to compare. We compare ourselves with other, we look at other people and their gifts, and we either feel superior or we feel inferior. We either feel proud or we feel jealous. We either think we're better or we think we're worse. And as soon as you start comparing yourself with other people, you've shifted from grace and you've moved to self. And we talk about it, don't we? We talk about my gifts. And my gift is music, and and my gift is prophecy, and my gift is tongue, and my gift is teaching, and my gift is admin. It's not your gift. It's God's gift that he has graciously given you. I'm not being pedantic. If you get this right, and you see that every gift that you have got, every gift that someone else has got, has been graciously given by God, just as God determined... It will utterly transform you. It will transform your humility. Because you will say, Lord, I don't deserve this gift. I shouldn't have this gift. Thank you, Lord. It will transform that gratitude. You'll say, wow, God, you are so gracious that you've given me any gift at all, let alone this gift. And as you look around, you'll say, Thank you, God, in your grace, you've given, you've given that person that gift, and you've given that person that gift. It's all of you, God, it's all your grace. It'll transform your grumbling. You can't say, it's not fair, I want this gift, I don't want this gift. Take it up with God. He determines which, who gets which gift. But most importantly, it'll transform your love for God, because all praise will go back to him. You will say, God, you are good, God, you're generous, God, you are kind, because they all come from you. See, if you're here tonight and you are saying Jesus Christ is Lord, you do have a gift. It may not be spectacular. It may not be the one that you really, really want. But that's a gift that God has chosen to give you. And you need to be content with that. Not getting jealous of other people, being content with the gift that God has given you and then praying and asking for other gifts if you want them. When we elevate certain gifts like tongues, teaching, music, and we ignore other gifts like support and admin or help, we end up like little kids on Christmas Day. You know the scene, the kids come down, and and mum and dad give them the presents, and uh, John gets the watch, and John loves his watch, it's a fabulous watch, he's happy with his watch, and, and Jackie gets her iPod, and she loves her iPod, she's happy with her iPod, it's great. But then about two hours later, John looks at Jackie's iPod and he goes, 
actually I'd really like that iPod because it's better than my watch. And, and then they start fighting. And Johnny feels inferior because, hey, he's just got a boring watch. And Jackie feels superior because, hey, she's got a great iPod. And they fight and they squabble. And that's what we do in the church. People parade certain gifts and they're full of pride and smugness and they think they're more special and others think they've got nothing. Friends, stop. God has given us every gift. They're all from Him. Whatever gift you've got, thank God for it and praise Him for it. Number three. The spiritual person delights in church unity. The spiritual person delights in church unity. Look look at verse 12. Uh, The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. It's such a simple analogy. Even a child can understand it. He's saying the human body is made up of many parts. Hair, skin, eyes, ears, nose, lungs, hands, stomach, feet, toenails, lungs, livers, kidneys, bowels, pancreas, saliva glands, you name it. Lots of different parts. But we call the whole what? We call the whole a unit or a body. Verse 12. So it is with Christ. We're one in Christ. We're a unit in Christ. We're a body in Christ. So if I say Jesus is Lord and you say Jesus is Lord, then we're part of the same body. We're united. Different sex, different skin, different age, different backgrounds. The common thing is we have the Spirit, we're one in Christ. And that unity is grounded in God himself. Look at verse 4 to 6. Different gifts but the same Spirit, different services but the same Lord, different workings but the same God. God is Father, Son and Spirit, but not three gods, but just one God working together in unity. And the church needs to reflect that, delight in that. We are one, we're a unit. always strikes me that uh, you can't program unity. You can't create unity. You can't manufacture unity. It exists because we all share in one spirit and one God. And the spiritual person loves unity and delights in unity. And you know, God has been so kind to us at church, here at Church by the Bridge. There is such a unity here. It blows me away, you know. There's unity amongst our wardens, unity with our parish council, unity amongst connect leaders, uh, unity on the music team, unity on the social action team. We, we're not closed, but we are united. We have different ideas, different agendas, but, but a one goal of promoting Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's what makes church so unique. We're a body, different gifts, but we're united. A church isn't about superstars. Church is about servants working together as one body. That's what verse 7 says. To each one, the manifestation of the, of the Spirit is given. Look at those last three words. The common good. For the common good. Not, not for my personal appetite. Not to bolster my image or my pride or to make me feel good. It's not sort of Kath and Kim, look at me, look at me. Verse 7 is given for the common good, so that you can use your gift to build up the unity and to build up God's church. And that's a litmus test as to how important a gift really is. Is it being used to to build up the unity and build up the church? The spiritual person delights in unity. But number four, the spiritual person 
appreciates the diversity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Uh, Christians are not all clones. Look at verse, look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Uh, imagine if our body was one big eye. Imagine if our body was, was one big ear. It would be grotesque, wouldn't it? We're different. We are different. Look at the repeated word in verse 4. Different gifts. Verse 5, different services. Verse 6, different workings. Verse 7, to each one is given for the common good. Verse 8, to one there's given the, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. To another, verse 9, faith. To another, healing. See, God may have given you the gift of wisdom, verse 8. It's just the gift to, to bring some spiritual insight to bear in a timely and a helpful way. God may have given somebody else the gift of knowledge, the ability to store truths about God and teach them to others. God may have given you the gift of faith in verse 9. It's not a saving faith, all Christians have faith, but some people have that remarkable trust, confidence in God's goodness. You know, Hudson Taylor going to China, he had remarkable faith. Corrie Ten Boom in the concentration camps, the gift of faith. Others have the gift of healing. Verse 9. It's not the gift where Jesus sort of healed with a touch or with a word. It's the gift that some people have to pray. And they pray for a miraculous healing and God answers that prayer. And I think some people do have that gift today. To others, verse 10, gifts of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. Uh, we'll talk more about these gifts next week or the week after. Uh, prophecy, I think, is just an inspired utterance uh, given by God with unmistakable relevance for a particular person at a particular time. Uh, tongues is the unintelligible gibberish that's to be used for you and your personal edification if it's to be used in church with an interpretation. Uh, but the point is, he's saying, there's so many gifts. Tongues, prophecy, healings, miracles. This is not an exhaustive list. Uh, it's not a list where we're supposed to say, I, I want that one. It's not the only list. So Romans 12 had the list of gifts of teaching, serving, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. Uh, 1 Peter 4 has a gift of hospitality. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 28, the gift of helping, the behind the scenes work. The gift of admin, verse 29. You ever thought about that? It's not particularly spiritual, is it, you think? But if you say an admin, that's a great gift from God. See, God in his wisdom has made us all different. We need the supernatural, we need the natural, not so that we can puff ourselves up, but so we can work together, all different, but with a common goal of saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. Friends, the more diverse people that God brings to this church with a diverse group of gifts, and the more ministers that we can do, so the more people can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. It's that simple. I can't do it all, I shouldn't do it all. 20% of people can't do it all. Everyone has a gift, and we're responsible for the way that we use that gift. Unity, 
diversity. What does it mean? What does it mean for us here? See, some in Corinth were like spectators. They sat in church and they thought, I don't belong here. I've got nothing to offer here. And what they needed was a word of encouragement. Uh, Some were the opposite. They thought they were amazing people, amazing Christians, and they thought they were so important, they thought church can't exist without me. And they need to be humbled and to be warned. So firstly, the encouragement. The encouragement to the insecure, the inferior, is this, that every member here is needed. Every member is needed. God has placed every single member of this church here at this particular time with a specific gift not just to fill a hole not just to sit in a pew not just to be on a roster but because you're a vital member of this body I sometimes hear people say around here I'm not needed everything's covered I've got nothing to offer everyone's more gifted than me and then comes that long, slow drift where, you know, I don't really belong here, I'm not connected here, I'll stop coming, I'll remove myself from the body, and that is wrong. It's like the hand and the foot. The hand is important, isn't it? It does all the important things. You know, it, it shakes hands and it, it writes letters and it types on emails and it carries things. It's seen. The foot, you know, the foot, well... It smells and you cover it with a sock and you put a shoe on it and, you know, no one likes feet. Some people have a foot fetish, but that's a bit odd. Um, the foot could say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not important. That's what verse 15 says. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. It's funny, isn't it? We, we like eyes. You know, you put your mascara on or your under eye gel or whatever it is and you can flutter your eyes and you look at someone and say, oh, she's got beautiful eyes. You don't hear someone say, she's got beautiful ears. And so the ear might go, I wish I was an eye. Then I'd be part of the body. The point is we're all needed, we're all different. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Verse 18, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? There are many parts, but one body. Now that's the encouragement to those of you here who who may feel inferior. Maybe you're here and either you're jealous or you're feeling inadequate or you're slipping to self-pity. What can I offer? I'm not needed. I'll just come sit and leave. Listen, please. You're needed. You are needed. God has placed you here with a particular gift and other people here need you to use your gift. Why do people here feel they're not needed, don't belong? Perhaps it's, um, perhaps it's our church organisation and our church structures. Maybe we communicate that the only important gifts are the, the upfront stage microphone gifts. 
Maybe our eye and our head are the preaching and the teaching and the leaders and the connect group leaders and they're the important ones, they're the super spiritual people, they're the elite Christians, that's what I'm going to aim for. But if I'm not up front in some way, I can't sing, I can't play, I can't read, I'm not needed. Friends, I really hope we're not promoting that because that's ridiculous. Where would we be without the people who come and stuff the Bibles? How would you hear this sermon without the guys who faithfully sit at our, our sound desk and do the PA? How can we praise God without a person who does a PowerPoint? It's not just pressing a button, it's enabling us to praise God. Where would you be without the people who, who chop the tomatoes and prepare the suppers and the people who do the hospitality and run the creche so that mums can have a Bible study and the people who do the admin and put the rosters together and the people who go out on the streets and do the evangelism and the people who, who mop the floors after you. Where would you be without those people? This church wouldn't exist without those people. I want to say thank you. Thank you to those people who do all those gifts. Not seeking the glory for themselves but serving the body. Thank you, Jesus, for giving you those gifts and helping to use them. I think of the, the person, no names mentioned, you know who you are, and you turn up every week early and you're welcoming, and you're the last person to leave. If there's a job that needs to be done, you do it. No fuss, no glory, no spectacle. Thank you. You're needed, every single one of you. We were given this form when you came in called Depth in Serving. It's just the start of the things that you could do here at church. Welcoming, suppers, music, PA, computer, pastoral care, communion, bookstore, evangelism, outreach, marketing. Just take it away. It's not an exhaustive list. It's a great start. If you're gifted in here, you want to start something, great. Start it. But look at that later. Maybe the problem is is with our church structures. But let me say maybe the problem is with you. Maybe the problem is with you. Because deep down you want to be a stage and microphone person. Deep down you want to be a head, you want to be an eye, you, you long for the spectacular gift because you want to be seen. Check your motives. Are you serving Jesus or are you serving the body or serving yourself? That's the encouragement. If you're feeling devalued, you're part of this church. The warning is to the superior or to the selfish or to the arrogant. And that's that you need every member. So verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. It's the eye and the head saying, I'm superior, I'm so important. It's the kind of attitude that says, look at me. This church wouldn't exist without me. It's actually selfishness, it's arrogance, it's individualism, and God hates all those things. God hates spiritual personalities who think they are so important. And they strut around church as if they say, hey, look at me. Friends, we need each other, we're dependent on each other. So in the body, the unseen parts are actually the most important parts. Verse 22, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The internal organs, you know, the, the intestines, the liver, the lungs, you don't see them, but, but you can't survive without them. Or verse 23, it's talking about the, the genitals, the private parts. 
the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. We cover them up, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But both are important. You survive without a hand, but you can't survive without the liver. You can survive without the eye, but you can't survive without the lungs or the private parts. And God in his wisdom, through the church, he, he turns the world upside down, doesn't he? See, the world says, uh, put the, the impressive people up front and all glory and all honour and all praise to the successful, honourable people. And the Bible says, the people that God honours, the people that God rejoices is in are not necessarily the preachers and not the teachers, but the, the man or the woman who just does a behind-the-scenes job so the whole body can keep functioning. Friends, we need each other. We need each other. If you get this right, the church functions well. And then we care for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, we all rejoice. God has been gracious to us here. God has been so gracious. I look out and I see oh, 80 people, different ages, different backgrounds, different gifts. And I pray that you would take your gift. Firstly, you say, thank you, God, for it. It's a grace gift from you. You'd use that gift, whatever it is you've got. Not for self, but for unity, to build up other people, to build up the common good. And then you look around, you look around you, and you look at the person next to you, and in your heart you would say, Lord, I praise you, you've given that person that gift. I haven't got it, but they have. How good you are, God. What rich diversity you've got here. And I pray that we'd work as a well-oiled machine, a well-oiled machine, working together, so that Jesus Christ is proclaimed as Lord. What's the spiritual person? Not necessarily spectacular. Not necessarily the loudest. The spiritual person says, Jesus is Lord. Grace gifts from God. Thanks for the unity. And thanks for the diversity. Let me pray. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Lord, you are so generous in giving us any gifts at all. We thank you for the supernatural gifts and we thank you for the natural gifts. We thank you for making us different and we thank you for bringing us together in this one building, in this one church. We thank you for the gifts of the people sitting around us. And we thank you for the gifts you've given us. Uh, Lord, forgive us for times when we just think that we're not needed. And forgive us for times when we think that we are more important than we are. And please unite us with this great truth. That all gifts come from you and are for your glory. And we ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen.